How's everyone doing? Woohoo! Good, 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 good. Well, hey, I am so glad to be back. We've been in Texas, and one of the things I love about our church is you, you're concerned about your staff, and you love folks, you love each other. So, we took our youngest daughter back to college this past week. She moved in early because she's got an apartment. She's all grown up now, and so, um, and so we we moved her back in. We got back um, earlier this 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 past last week, and so my mom's doing better. Had good days, bad days. So keep praying that that she gets to go home soon. Um, so we'll have a good relationship. <laughs> no, no, it, it's been it's been it's been fun. So it's fun telling her what to do. Reminds it's it, it all comes full circle, doesn't it? But uh, and so hey, we come together today, and we're still in our series meeting with God. And today we're going to talk about a beautiful passage. Um, it's a stunning passage, and, and many of y'all know it. It's Isaiah chapter six, and so we're going to walk through Isaiah chapter six and. Uh, we, we title it meeting with God in worship, but it's just it's it's really meeting with God in His majesty and His glory, and it's about a life that's changed through that and that a mission that's given to Isaiah to fulfill, and and we all have to ask ourselves the same question when God asks us who will go, are, are we willing to say here am I Lord, send me, so let's turn to Isaiah chapter six. I'm going to read through this and then we'll walk through this verse by verse this morning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to one another and said, Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth and an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is the stump. Let's pray. Father, would you just open our eyes to the truth of your scripture this morning, what you'd have us learn today. Father, help me not to be to get in the way, Lord, but help your word to stand true this morning. Father, help us to respond to it appropriately this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage starts out with this historical fact. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now understand that... Um, King Uzziah had a long reign. He reigned for 52 years. That's a pretty long reign, isn't it? And during his reign, uh, they were prosperous. The people were prosperous under King Uzziah's reign. But there was one problem. Even though they were pro prosperous, um, they were meant to sin. And, and God's people had fallen away from them. They quit, they quit leaking, leaning on the Lord, seeking the Lord. 
And see, even today we think about life, and sometimes we're more concerned about prosperity than we are about purity. And so what happens here is, is when it starts out, this whole idea that here is a prosperous king because, you know, the, the land was, was good and it had money, but it lacked purity. And sometimes when we think about our own situations, if you think really, uh, when you think about your life, you think about your own attitude towards life, are you more concerned about your prosperity or about your purity? And you see, we live in a time right now where it seems like we're just not in a very prosperous time in the, in the history of our country. And I think God's doing a thing. I think God's wanting us to look at our hearts and look at ourselves and to really realign our priorities and understand, are we more concerned about our prosperity, about what's in our bank account, or about what our heart condition is? And so what Isaiah does in this vision, it, it contrasts this. It says that God, I saw God sitting upon his throne high and lifted up, and a train of his robe filled the temple. Understand the temple is the highest place in the holy city, and it's, and it's this huge structure. And God is holy, and he's lifted up, he's set apart, and he's royal. But King Uzziah has died, because King Uzziah is not eternal. Government is not eternal. Those things fade away, but God remains forever. Amen? So King Uzziah, a very prideful person. Listen to what happened to King Uzziah. This is found in 2 Chronicles 26, 16-20. So this is the kind of man he was. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Isn't that crazy how power corrupts? Isn't it crazy how power corrupts, how, how, how people start out pretty good, they get a little power, it goes to their head, and it corrupts, they get prideful. And the scripture says that he became proud to his destruction. It says this, For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, were, were people allowed in the temple? Who was allowed in the temple? The priests, right? The descendants of Aaron, they had to be ceremonially clean. They were allowed in the temple, but, but Uzziah decided to go in himself to burn on the altar. But Azariah, the priest, went in after him, with 80 priests of the Lord who are men of valor. This is fantastic. So 81 people go after King Uzziah. Okay, they go after him. He said they're men of valor. It means they were brave. And they withstood King Uzziah. And they said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of this sanctuary, for you've done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand. You have a censer to burn the incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. So think about that. Uzziah, prideful, um, prosperous, um, decides to, to go in and go where he shouldn't be a place where the priests were supposed to be, where, where holiness was, and he was unholy, went to this place. In contrast, God is high and lifted up because he has authority over Israel at that time and Judah at that time, and he has authority over creation. Amen? What we see is that we see a picture of God's sovereignty, and his robe and crane symbolizes his, his holiness. And so God is holy compared to, to King Uzziah. And can I tell you something? God is holy compared to us. My question is, are you more concerned about your prosperity than your purity? Well, the scripture goes on, verse 2. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to one another. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full <coughs> of his glory. Verse 4, and the foundations of the threshold shook 
And the voice of him called, and the house was filled with smoke. So this whole idea, this, this, this shaking of the temple is this God's awesome power. This smoke that, that, that is in there, this cloud of glory that's in there, the smoke that probably the ancestors of Isaiah saw in the wilderness as they were guided by this pillar of smoke. Now, now the seraphim or the seraphs, it's the only time in Scripture that they're mentioned, uh, their name is, uh, it, it deals with fire. And so, so the seraphs are beings are above the Lord, um, and the, their name seraph means to burn. So think about this, this burning angel. And their faces are covered to show humility before the Lord because they can't stand before His holiness. And their feet are covered, uh, showing that uh, their feet are covered for service. And then they're flying as they serve the Lord. And what were they doing in the temple? They're proclaiming His holiness. So think about whenever you walk into this place, and this is no beautiful temple, but wherever God's people are, God is there, Amen. And so our hearts of all should be ready to, to worship him no matter where we are as we sing holy, holy, holy. Because we're reminded about God's presence that he is set apart from us, but he's with us. And so the scripture goes on and he says in verse 5, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Do you guys ever feel like you dwell in a land of unclean lips? All you got to do is get on social media, right? I mean, so Isaiah recognizes this. He recognizes in the presence of the Lord, he realizes that, that he's a sinner. Um, that he's been tainted by sin. That, that, that he needs to be totally dependent on God. That in the midst of pure holiness, it just, it, it just shows how, how broken Isaiah is. And so Isaiah sees God's purity and his sinfulness and when he thinks about this idea of unclean lips it's not just about the words that come out of our mouths but it's about the attitude behind the words and the heart that derives or, or creates those attitudes that creates the words that come out of our mouth and Isaiah understands this that, that his actions and words compared to God's holiness are pretty bad but how many of us have said this? You know what? I'm not that bad. You ever said that? Or compared to so-and-so, I'm not that bad. Can I tell you something? You are that bad. <laughs> and I'm that bad. But God is holy. Amen? But listen, God doesn't leave us in our badness, does he? Even though that we're totally dependent on God and that we're sinful, God, God creates a way when there seems to be no way. Even when our words and our attitudes and our actions seem contrary to God, God provides a way. And Isaiah is identifying with his people, I'm, I'm just as bad as everybody else. Because many times we say, you know what, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But Isaiah understands this in the presence of the Lord. But listen to what happens next, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand and burning coal that he'd taken with his tongs from the altar. Think about that word picture. You got, you got a picture of that in your mind right now? The, the seraphim flying around with this hot coal with these tongs. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. Isaiah, 
in God's presence, even though your heart is broken and, and sinful, God provides a way with this hot coal that the seraphim, the seraph, which means to burn, comes to you and he, and he takes away the sin. So I'll ask this question. How many of y'all need a touch from the Lord this morning? How many of y'all need a touch from the Lord that, that he would come and that he would just come and that he would remind you that although you're a sinner, simultaneously through Jesus Christ, you're a saint. Amen? That God alone can take care of our, our sin problem. The sin has been taken away. Because Isaiah is about to get a message that judgment's coming to the people. But Isaiah, your lips have been clean, so now you're ready to hear the message and you're ready to go out and proclaim the message because you've experienced me intimately, relationally, and now because of who God is, you're made clean. And then verse 8 says this, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Now, do you think God really needed to ask that question? So why did God ask that question? Because he wants to give Isaiah an opportunity to what? To be obedient. And every one of us at some time in our life, as, as God has spoken to us through scripture, um, through a song, through prayer, through other people, through a sermon, God has asked you, um, who's, who's willing to go? How are we to respond to that? Then he said, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And then he says this, and their eyes, lest they see their eyes and hear with their ears and understand their hearts and turn and be healed. The rest of this chapter deals with the message that Isaiah was to preach to the people. Um, and he wasn't prepared to go until he had this experience with God. And he responds with obedience. And verse 9 says this, and he said, go and say the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Verse 10, make the heart of the people dull and their eyes, their ears heavy. Now, that's not a very good message, is it? God's preparing Isaiah, the people are going to be stubborn, the people are going to be hard. Uh, the people throughout their history have not listened to me before. That's why, Isaiah, I have to send you. And eventually, that's why Jesus came. Uh, in, in fact, the people of hearing Isaiah's message will become even more hardened against him and against the Lord. And in verse 11, Isaiah asked, how long? And he said, until cities lie in waste without its inhabitants and houses without people and the land in a desolate waste. And the Lord moves people far away and forsakes places are many in the midst of the land. Verse 13, and though a tenth remain in it, the tenth would be the poor people that they didn't take away. It will be burned again like a, a terebinth of an oak whose stump remains. And I love this part. It says, and when it is felled, the holy seed is the stump. God gives Isaiah a really hard message. You know, and, and sometimes we need to understand that, that the truth can be hard sometimes. And God is still calling his people to repentance. And maybe Isaiah is, is discouraged by this message, but at the end of it, 
God tells him that the holy seed is the stump, that, that when Israel at this point in history is whittled down because of, of judgment that's laid upon them, uh, that uh, when, when Judah fell to Nebuchadnezzar that, that, and the land is laid waste, that, that, that there will still be a holy seed and, and that stump will produce. Because there is consequences to our sin. And we live like there isn't. But Isaiah understands in the midst of a holy God, we need to understand that, yes, there we are a people in need of repentance, and God is the only one who can take away our sin. And that's a hard message, especially for us in the United States. Because we're the country that we can do it. We just work hard enough. You know what? Our salvation has never been based on our works. It's always been based on God's goodness. Amen? So when we look at this scripture, we're going to ask these same questions that we've been asking over and over again is this. Who, who is God in this scripture? Well, God is the king of kings who, who warrants our worship. As the seraphim are singing, holy, holy, holy. We too, as people, need to respond that way. Who is God? God is all-powerful, that even in his presence, the foundations, the biggest, the most elaborate building on top of that hill in Jerusalem is shaking on the inside because God is all-powerful. And sometimes we forget. Listen, even in the, listen, it is so easy to, to lean into despair and frustration and isolation when things aren't looking like they're very prosperous around us. When we, when we look at the stock market every day and go, ooh, ooh, or we look at counts or death tolls or infection rates, we can get so enamored in all the negative. We need to understand it's not based on the idea that it's about our, our productivity. It's not based on any of that. It's based on the fact that we need to be seen as a people of God who are set apart. And who is God? God is holy. God is holy. So what does God do in, in this text? Well, um, he, he takes away sin. I, I love that picture. Some of you are seeing it right now. Boy, I wish the seraph would come and, and touch me with a hot coal on my lips. Because here's the deal. Understand this. This is what you need to think about. It didn't burn him, but it purified him. It, it didn't, the fire didn't burn him, but it purified him. And sometimes we're so afraid of an encounter with God that it's going to destroy us. But what it does is it makes us better. What else does he do? He, he, not only it says he takes away our sins, but he sanctifies us. He makes us clean. He, he forgives our sins. He makes us clean. And all I think about is when I was thinking about this message, all I could think about was 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Because you know what? As New Testament people, you don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to stand before that. Because you don't have to have the seraphim flying down and touch your lips with cold because you have Jesus who atoned for your sin on the cross. Amen? Well, that's a weak eight. Amen? All right. I'll just call that the muffled mask syndrome. Okay. But not only that, God gives Isaiah a mission and a purpose. Isaiah becomes God's mouthpiece to a people who, who didn't want to hear. Who just didn't want to hear. He gives them a mission and he gives them purpose. And God has got honest with them. 
God tells him it's going to be hard. God tells him it's not going to be easy, that the people aren't going to listen to him. But there's still hope in the midst of the frustration, in the midst of the incoming pain, there's still hope. So what's our response to this? What's our obedience step to this? I I think respond appropriately. What do you mean? Well, every time you open Scripture and God teaches you something, respond appropriately. And the best way to respond is in obedience and worship. That when we we come to the throne of worship, whether it be your personal worship at home or whether we gather as a church here or online, the fact is that, that we need to worship Him. And then we need to trust Him and obey Him. Listen, even when it's hard. Hey, Isaiah, I'm giving you this message and they're not going to listen to you. And, and people are going to be taken away in captivity and it's going to be hard. But Isaiah, it's never been about prosperity. God set Israel apart from the beginning that people would see them and saw that they worshiped the God. That's why he gave them the Ten Commandments. That's why he gave the covenants is that, that they would be a set apart people. And they weren't doing it. So this morning, for some of us, the action step is this. It's, it's to repent because we have been a people of unclean lips. And that's a reflection of our hearts. And what do I mean by that? Maybe me personally, too, when, when I haven't responded appropriately to things or I have a bad attitude about things or when I get more concerned about the stock market and prosperity than I do about my own personal purity. So some of us just need to ask the Lord, we need to confess our sin and say, God, this is where I'm at this morning. For some of us, God has given you a plan and purpose for your life, and that's to, to, to live out, uh, to glorify him. But maybe specifically, there's, there's people in your life that you need to share the gospel with. And it's not going to be easy. Um, you know what? But you never know what that fruit's going to be, because it took generations before we saw the seed grow. It may not be for your kids. It may be for your grandkids. It, it may be for um, someone else at work or, or whoever it is. But, but God has given you mission. It's going to be hard. But God will be with you because he's purified you to do the mission. And, and finally, for some of us, it's just to return to an attitude of worship, not a fear of what's going on out in the world today or, or the fear of sickness or this. But the fact is that we still have a God who is all-powerful, who is all-loving, who wants to be personally involved in your life. God is holy, amen? God is powerful, amen? And God has given you a mission, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, um, for your word that teaches and guides us. Um, Father, help us to go from this place this morning, um, people of, of cleansed lips and cleansed hearts, understanding that it's difficult out there um, but we don't have to do the work you do the work we just have to proclaim the message in jesus name amen